Howdy everybody. The following audio is part of an educational series on common law indoctrination and training with Chaplain Raymond, our Attorney General for the Republic State of Texas. We will be covering the common law jury system, which is course 104 of the Universal Life University School of Law. Hope you enjoy. This is chapter one of the jury training on March the 21st, 2011. Chapter 1, The Right of Juries to Judge the Justice of Laws. Now, everybody should be able to see this on the screen. Is that correct? Anybody that does does not have it on their screen? I do not. I'm leaving town, and I'm, I'm with you on myself. Oh, okay. So we have some people on the phone that doesn't have this in front of them. Okay. Section 1. For more than 600 years, that is, since the Magna Carta, in 1215, there has been no clear principle of English or American constitutional law than that in criminal cases. It is not only the right and duty of juries to judge what are the facts, what is the law, and what was the moral intent of the accused, but that it is also their right and their primary and paramount duty to judge of the justice of the law and to hold all laws invalid that are, in their opinion, unjust or oppressive, and all such persons guiltless in violating or resisting the execution of such laws. Now that's an insight into the juries that has not been taught to us. Continuing with the reading. Unless such be the right and duty of jurors, it is plain that, in, that instead of juries being a palladium of liberty, a barrier against the tyranny and oppression of the government, they are really mere tools in its hands for carrying into execution any injustice or oppression it may desire to have executed. But for their right to judge the law and the justice of the law, juries would be no protection to an accused person even as to matters of fact. For, if the government can dictate to a jury any law whatever in a criminal case, it can certainly dictate to them in the laws of evidence. That is, it can dictate what evidence is admissible and in it what is inadmissible, and also what force or weight is to be given to the evidence admitted. And if the government can thus dictate to a jury the laws of evidence, it can not only make it necessary for them to convict on a partial exhibition of the evidence rightfully pertaining to the case, but it can even require them to convict on any evidence whatever that it pleases to offer them. That the rights and duties of jurors must necessarily be such as are here claimed for them will be evident when it is considered what the trial by jury is and what's its job. Quote, 
The trial by jury, then, is a trial by country. That is, by the people, as distinguished from a trial by the government. It was anciently called trial per pays, that is, trial by the country. And now, in every criminal trial, the jury is told that the accused, as for trial, put himself upon the country, which country you, the jury, are. The object of this trial by the country or by the people in preference to a trial by the government is to guard against every species of oppression by the government. In order to effect this end, it is indispensable that the people or the country judge of and determine their own liberties against the government, instead of the government's judging of and determining its own powers over the people. How is it possible that juries can do anything to protect the liberties of the people against the government if they are not allowed to determine what those liberties are? Any government that is its own judge of and determines authoritatively for the people what are its own powers over the people is an absolute government, of course. It has all the powers that it chooses to exercise. There is no other, or at least no more accurate definition of a despotism than this. On the other hand, any people that judge of and determine authoritatively for the government what are their own liberties against the government, of course, retain all the liberties they wish to enjoy. And this is freedom. At least it is freedom to them, because though, although it may be theoretically imperfect, it nevertheless corresponds to their highest notions of freedom. To secure this right of the people to judge of their own liberties against the government, the jurors are taken, or must be, to make them lawful jurors from the body of the people by lot, or by some process that precludes any previous knowledge, choice, or selection of them on the part of the government. This is done to prevent the government's constituting a jury of its own partisans or friends. In other words, to prevent the government's packing a jury with a view to maintain its own laws and accomplish its own purposes. It is supposed that if 12 men be taken by lot from the mass of the people without the possibility of any previous knowledge, choice, or selection of them on the part of the government, the jury will be a fair epitome of the country at large, and not merely of the party or faction that sustain the measures of the government, that substantially all classes of opinions prevailing among the people will be represented in the jury, and especially that the opponents of the government, if the government have any opponents, will be represented there as well as its friends. That the classes who are oppressed by the laws of the government, if there are those thus oppressed, 
will have their representatives in the jury as well as those as well as those classes who take sides with the oppressor, that is, with the government. It is fairly presumable that such a tribunal will agree to no conviction except such as substantially the whole country would agree to if they were present taking part in the trial. A trial by such a tribunal is therefore, in effect, a trial by the country. In its results, it probably comes as near to a trial by the whole country as any trial that it is practical to have, without too great inconvenience and expense. And as unanimity is required for a conviction, it follows that no one can be convicted except for the violation of such laws as substantially the whole country wish to have maintained. The government can enforce none of these laws by punishing offenders through the verdicts of juries, except such as substantially the whole people wish to have enforced. The government, therefore, consistently with the trial by jury, can exercise no powers over the people, or what is the same thing over the accused person who represents the rights of the people except such as substantially the whole people of the country consent that it may exercise. In such a trial, therefore, the country or the people judge of and determine their own liberties against the government instead of the government's judging of and determining its own powers over the people. But all of this, trial by the country, would be no trial at all by the, the country, but only a trial by the government, if the government could either declare who may and who may not be jurors, or could dictate to the jury anything whatever, either of law or evidence that is of the essence of the trial. If the government may decide who may and who may not be jurors, it will of course select only its partisans and those friendly to its measures. It may not only prescribe who may or may not be eligible to be drawn as jurors, but it may also question each person drawn as a juror as to his sentiments in regard to the particular law involved in each trial before suffering him to be sworn on the panel and exclude him if he be found unfavorable to the maintenance of such a law. To show that this supposition is not an extravagant one, it may be mentioned that courts have repeatedly questioned jurors. That courts have repeatedly questioned jurors. Somebody needs to turn their speakers Somebody off. Somebody needs to turn their speakers off. Okay. Repeatedly questioned jurors to ascertain whether they were prejudiced against the government, that is, whether they were in favor of or opposed to such laws of the government as were to be put in issue in the then pending trial. This was done in 1851 in the United States District Court for the District of Massachusetts by Peleg Sprague, the United States District Judge, 
and impaneling three separate juries for the trials of Scott, Hayden, and Morris, charged with having aided in the rescue of a fugitive slave from the custody of the United States Deputy Marshal. This judge caused the following question to be propounded to all the jurors separately. And those who answered unfavorably for the purposes of the government were excluded from the panel. The question was, Do you hold any opinions upon the subject of the fugitive slave law, so-called, which will induce you to refuse to convict a person indicted under it? If the facts set forth in the indictment and constituting the offense are proved against him, and the court direct you that the law is constitutional. Unquote. A similar question was soon afterwards propounded to the persons drawn as jurors in the United States Circuit Court for the District of Massachusetts by Benjamin R. Curtis one of the justices of the Supreme Court of the United States in impaneling a jury for the trial of the aforesaid Morris on the charge before mentioned, and those who did not answer the question favorably for the government were again excluded from the panel. The only principle upon which these questions are asked is this, no man shall be allowed to serve as a juror unless he be ready to enforce any enactment of the government, however cruel or tyrannical it may be. What is such a jury good for? As a protection against the tyranny of government, a jury like that is probably nothing but a mere tool of oppression in the hands of the government. A trial by such a jury is really a trial by the government itself and not a trial by the country, because it is a trial only by men specifically selected by the government for their readiness to enforce its own tyrannical measures. So also, if the government may dictate to the jury what laws they are to enforce, it is no longer a trial by the country, but a trial by the government, because the jury then try the accused, not by any standard of their own, not by their own judgments of their rightful liberties, but by a standard dictated to them by the government. And the standard thus dictated by the government becomes the measure of the people's liberties. If the government dictate the standard of trial, it of course dictates the result of the trial. And such a trial is no trial by the country, but only a trial by the government. And in it, the government determines what are its own powers over the people, instead of the people's determining what are their own liberties against the government. In short, if the jury have no right to judge of the justice of the law of the government, they plainly can do nothing to protect the people against the oppressions of the government. For there are no oppressions which the government may not authorize by law.
the jury are also to judge whether the laws are rightfully expounded to them by the court. Unless they judge on this point, they do nothing to protect their liberties against the oppressions that are capable of being practiced under the cover of a corrupt, a corrupt exhibition of the laws. If the judiciary can authoritatively dictate to a jury any exposition of the law, they can dictate to them the law itself and such laws as they please because laws are in practice one thing or another according as they are expounded. Here's a comment on the page that I'll read by John Don. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were as well as if a manner of thy friends or of thy own were. Any man's debt diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. And therefore, never sin to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. The jury must also judge whether there really be any such law, be it good or bad, as the accused is charged with having transgressed. Unless they judge on this point, the people are liable to have their liberties taken from them by brute force, without any law at all. A jury must judge of the laws of evidence. If the government can dictate to a jury the laws of evidence, it can not only shut out any evidence it pleases, tending to vindicate the accused, but it can require that any evidence, whatever, that it pleases to offer, be held as conclusive proof of any offense whatever which the government chooses to allege. It is manifest, therefore, that the jury must judge of and try the whole case, and every part and parcel of the case, free of any dictation or authority on the part of the government. They must judge of the existence of the law, of the true exposition of the law, of the justice of the law, of the admissibility and weight of all the evidence offered. Otherwise, the government will have everything its own way. The jury will be mere puppets in the hands of the government, and the trial will be, in reality, a trial by the government and not a trial by the country. By such trials... The government will determine its own powers over the people, instead of the people's determining their own liberties against the government. And it will be an entire delusion to talk, as for centuries we have done, of the trial by jury as a palladium of liberty, or as any protection to the people against the oppression and tyranny of the government. The question then between trial by jury, as thus described, and trial by government is simply a question between liberty and despotism. The authority to judge what are the powers of the government 
and what are the liberties of the people must necessarily be vested in one or the other of the parties themselves, the government or the people, because there is no third party to whom it can be trusted. If the authority be vested in the government, the government is absolute, and the people have no liberties except such as the government sees fit to indulge with them. If, on the other hand, that authority be vested in the people, then the people have all the liberties, as against the government, except such as substantially the whole people, through a jury, choose to disclaim. And the government can exercise no power except such as substantially the whole people, through a jury, consent that it may exercise. That's the end of section two. I am in desperate need of a drink. What time do we have? I think that's a pretty good bit to be taken in today. Um, do you uh, have any particular questions about this subject, this section one? No other questions, please. I will mention, this is written by a gentleman in the 1800s by the name of Lysander Spooner. He is truly remarkable at being able to articulate it and get it to where others can understand it and use it. It is no wonder that you don't hear much about Lysander Spooner. Uh, Chaplain Raymond, this is Joe. Uh, having been called to serve on a jury twice and being deselected, if you will, uh, for the jury and, and therefore dismissed, all the things that it says on here our current corporate structure legal system does and, and it's the the idea of uh it being a trial uh, among your peers is absolutely asinine. Everything that's on here runs counter to, now I've only been invited twice, but, but I, and I think back to what I witness on TV, which structures more of our country's people's understanding of the law than probably anything else, and they say, well, that is inadmissible. Well, now what I, you know, what I'm looking at right here says anything is admissible if the jury decides it is. The jury has the power, but that's not the way our legal system appears to be structured. Now, am I misreading or misunderstanding what you've said? 
No. And this was written at a point in time when the corporation had time to really work it out. In other words, they knew of this when they sat down to write the rules and procedures of court. The merging of the common law and the equity was to give the judge and the lawyers the powers that this system does not permit, the one we read about today. And the system that was established by the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, was used as a foundation, if you will, this right here. Well, you know, you're making the subject a little bit more exotic. I don't know, you know, if I want to go. The <laughs> Yes, somebody did something wrong. What did they do wrong? They wanted power. And they saw a way that they could go about getting it. And this is the, the people who were in the business of... Running court cases. I'm trying to find a way to swear Okay. We the other the other comment I wanted to make was for the benefit of everybody that's on the call that can see the control panel on the upper right hand side. There is a mic that if you click on it, it'll mute you. Now, somebody's been writing or shuffling or doing something, and I found out the hard way that if I breathe heavy, it uh, comes across. Uh, so if, you're, if people are doing something uh, in the background, we'd appreciate it if you'd mute yourself out. That's just an observation. Thank you very much, Chaplain Raymond. Thank you. Any more questions? Unmute yourself if you have a question. Well, tomorrow we'll be back at our regular places and we'll get into this. This is really um, as equally a paradigm shift as learning about the authority of law to those who have been in that course. So um, it's going to shake your understanding of some of the things that you really thought you understood. But this is how we will do things in the Republic on the land. Now we have granted in our work here in Texas especially a greater identification of the folks who do this or will be doing that. We have the phrase first to state. We have documents. You sign a declaration of solemn intent. You sign a jurat. You sign another one in which you become a member of the three jural societies at the same time, this, your county one, your state one, and the national one.
when you sign the jural document, the first estate document, where you become a member of these jural societies, you will become a member of the electoral pool, the one who elects. You will become a member of the jurist pool, those who sit on juries. And if the bug bites you, a member of the candidate pool, and you can volunteer to run for office in the various governments, county, state, and national. We, um, we hope that we can get everyone in Texas, especially, familiar with all of these things with regard to the first estate. We have a website called Re Texas Republic Keepers. It's just called republickeepers.com and there you can go and find a variety of information including the recordings of these classes. And with that I'm going to say so long and I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.